0: Welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss protests, chromatica, and Sega. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Um, alright, hey Ryan, we're back. We're back. Uh, it's been a it's been uh, it's been a couple of weeks, maybe? I don't really know because what is a week, you know? That's what I'm asking. What is time? What is space? And why does it keep happening? <laughs> yes, and does it matter anymore? I mean, actually, I don't know. I think it does. We're we're in uh, you know like the third month or so of of self isolation slash quarantine, and um, I, I have to say things have have gotten very bad in America. Very bad. Very dangerous. Very deadly. Very frightening. Very upsetting. Uh, there is, we are at this moment, we are sitting, uh, in our respective, well, you're in, you're in, where are you in Indiana right now? Yeah.
1: So my, um, grandma broke her ribs and there was nobody here to take care of her while my aunts, um, it's been multiple crises, but my aunts were taking care of her, but their vacation home was having like like apparently they got a phone call that their pipes burst and it had flooded everywhere and they had a ton of property damage and they had to like go shore it up so they traveled over to their vacation house to fix it but for the two weeks it's going to take to get contractors and everything set up we had to get in a car and not stop even at the bathroom like we peed in the woods Mm -hmm. drive out here get into my aunt's house basically quarantine here with my grandma and then re- repeat that again to go home over this weekend. So it hasn't been great.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but luckily your experience matches that of all Americans right now, which is uh, just, just uh, endless amounts of, of horror, both small and large. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a dark time.
1: We should acknowledge that as we speak, there are protests raging, um demonstrations raging in Minneapolis and Louisville because the police keep killing black people and won't stop. And at the same time yeah. the president is mad at Twitter for clarifying his tweets with um, you know, fact check, checked information. <laughs> and uh we are going into a cold war with China and um and you know, journalists are being arrested by the military. So that's just the breaking news.
0: Really anything I mean, Trump's loving Trump's loving this um, police brutality and and um, protests because he's so desperate to find anything to distract from the fact that I mean, like like coronavirus still happening over 100,000 people fucking dead from a virus that like three months ago, there were no people dead in America from it. Zero people dead three months later, 100,000 plus and climbing. It's insane. Um The government has done, I mean, this motherfucker, Trump, signed an executive order yesterday trying to regulate social media because they put a fact check, like, post script on one of his tweets. I mean, it literally is like, he tweeted something, it wasn't covered up, it wasn't deleted, he wasn't blocked or banned, it just was like, hey, get more information about this. Like it wasn't even like here's the truth yeah, it's about. It's like when you
1: do a COVID-19 video on YouTube, YouTube is now auto applying a tiny little box that says if you want more information about COVID-19, click here and then linking to verified sources. Yeah.
0: It's it's and so anyhow, so immediately, so one day later or oh, however whatever, it's like two days, one day later, the Trump is signing an executive order to uh to, to like investigate, you know, Twitter and Facebook or whatever. It's like, dude, there are people like frontline uh medical workers couldn't get protective equipment we did not sign the executive he said he was going to sign an executive order to force companies to produce uh, protective gear for uh, doctors and nurses in this country did not do it but for a fucking tweet i mean this is this is how craven and stupid and awful the president of the the united states is i mean he just is his priorities and his focus is so misplaced and misguided and out of step with what is what is fair and right in the world and it's like it's staggering it's like how and the crazy thing about Trump is that there are like 43% of Americans right now you know if you look at the polling who are like he's doing a good job and like I'm sorry like if you think that the president is doing a good job you're so dumb or so racist that you literally should not be allowed to vote. Like you're so, it's such, it's it's so insane to me that you could look at what is happening in the world right now, that you could look at America, economy destroyed, tens of millions of jobs lost, 100,000 plus people dead, and that number is climbing. Cities completely shut down, no executive action on it, no executive order to get people protection or to get tests to people. Um, and And he's focusing on fucking Twitter drama. Like, like it actually fucking matters. I mean, it is the most bankrupt, corrupt, craven, backwards leadership this country has ever seen. We are in like the darkest moment of America. And honestly, like, I I don't know how we, I mean, I don't know how we come back from it. I mean, I I think, you know, obviously removing this administration from power, removing the Republican Party from power. I mean, what, what I have seen, what I have seen demonstrated is that if given the opportunity to control all of the branches of government, The Republicans will flush the Constitution and America down the fucking toilet. And that is exactly what is happening right now. And not only are are things bad in America, but we've we've completely created relationships with countries around the world who we need as partners. Um, And apparently now we're like backing China in a in a civil war against Taiwan, which is like. I mean, just, you know, you can't I can't think of more fucking shit to set on fire. And Trump's running ads like he's like he gets things done. It's like, yeah, he gets things done. He's like destroyed American democracy and uh, the American way of life. And he's well on his way to like starting a fucking third world war. So, yeah, he has gotten some things done, I guess, if if you're like if what you if what you really want to have is chaos, like he's your guy. It's fucking insane. I mean. Honestly, I just pray. All I can say is I pray that. I mean, they're already working on election tampering. They're already heading towards. They're already heading towards massive election fraud and tampering, you can see. I mean, the fact is the fact that Trump is tweeting about mail-in ballot fraud is really just his tell that they're going to attempt to do something to subvert or pervert the voting process in America, you know? And like the guy openly admits, he's basically like if mail in voting is allowed at the end of the republican party and what he means is because this is what his all of his people have told him if everybody can vote and it doesn't you don't have to go out to the polls and it's not a really complicated process and you can just put this thing in the mail like a vast majority of people are going to vote democrat and they know that they know that like really what what is has what has allowed them to be in power at this moment is the apathy of the american electorate is that like most people are just kind of like can't be bothered or don't have the time or I – mean, it's not most people, but a lot of people of voting age, like young people in particular, are like, yeah, I'm not going to go wait in line. This is not important to me. What does it matter? You know, there's a – you know, when you're young, it doesn't seem that important. When you're 18, 19, 20, maybe now it does. I don't know what it's like to be 19 in this world, you know? Uh I feel like it would be a pretty scary time to look around you and say, like, wow, this is the government. This is what we do. But you might be so numb to it after so much of this bullshit that, like, it doesn't matter. But the point is they know if everybody can vote, there are a lot more people are going to vote Democrat. We all know that, you know, he lost the popular vote by millions and millions of votes. Um, He won by 70,000, which is nothing, a fucking rounding error in terms of the electorate. I think it's not, you know. I think that the, what the, what I worry about now, and this is sorry, this is my political ramble at the beginning of this, but what I worry about now more than anything is the election tampering, um, attempts to postpone the election, attempts to tamper with um, giving people the opportunity to vote. I mean, we know that they want, they will gerrymander. We know that they will. Uh, shut down or move polling places. We know that they will send people to polling places to uh, to intimidate voters. We know that they will do everything in their fucking power to disenfranchise uh, 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 people of color um, uh, and and from voting and in in go into those communities and literally the fucking strong arm people at polling places. So like the question is like, well, how bad is it going to get? And what can we do about it? And that's to me is like the thing that I I'm I'm I fear most. Because I think that the reality is that if we were having a normal a normal election season, and hopefully by November, like COVID-19 will be tremendously lower in its frequency. There will be way less fear about it. we have all gotten a lot more comfortable with the things you need to do to be safe when you go out and about, because that it those things are real and can help you. And so maybe it won't be as bad as I'm envisioning it. But like my number one fear right now is that that the people who need to get out and vote to get this fucking piece of shit out of office and into the jail cell where he belongs, you know, that somehow this government, the current government and the current people in power will completely, you know, blow up fucking democracy and, and, and American rights and freedoms to stop the vote from happening in some, in some fundamental way.
1: Yeah. I mean, not to told you so, but this is what I've been (laughs) thinking was going to happen for a while because Trump, in my estimation, is like a sociopath. Not like a sociopath. He is well, a He's sociopath. definitely a sociopath. And, <laughs> and sociopaths are uniquely able to single-mindedly chase power and money and cruelty. Uh, and the Republican Party has only been interested in money and power for decades, like, since the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it's pretty natural that they all fell in line and they will continue to fall in line behind him behind a charismatic sociopath because it's all they've ever i mean he's a distilled version of that entire way of thinking and culture he's a a charismatic reality tv star failed businessman con man who has failed up his entire life who's like a virulent racist and to takes pleasure in cruelty, yeah. and that has been the practice of the Republican Party, uh, my entire like life on this planet. Uh, my entire experience of Earth has had
0: a functional, organized evil presence yeah.
1: and that is the republican no party.
0: i mean make no mistake about it like like historically in america you know racism was not purely the domain of the republican party but large certainly in the last 50 or so years been largely the domain of the republican party and they really have embraced like just out and out unvarnished racism as a you know core of their platform you know i think that. I mean, I don't think there's – I don't think there's any way to avoid the reality in this country that there is a party that represents – I mean, that really it seems to be moving towards authoritarianism and fascism as its mode of operation. Like, And then there's the other party. And and you can agree or disagree with, with lots of different policies of the other party. But what doesn't seem to be happening amongst Democrats that does seem to be happening amongst Republicans is not only – and there's actually a really interesting study that just came out. About this, that that when that that people who 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 are lean, you know, right wing or Republican, when presented with a situation um, where they see minorities and uh, underprivileged people um, like getting ahead and making strides, that they will trade their their they will trade democracy for authoritarianism to stop that. I so really I actually didn't need to find this. I, I'll send it to you. But um maybe we can put it in the post when we put this up. But there's this it's a real but but the reality is that the Republican Party is trending away from democratic rule, away from the concept of democracy, and trending towards like a comfort with and even maybe a desire for authoritarianism and fascism in america and it's a really striking thing to me it's like i get we disagree on like abortion like i totally get the idea that you're like well that's a child's life and i'm like well i disagree that you know at a certain point it's not and you know we're going to have an argument about that a cultural or religious argument whatever the fuck it is but what i don't get is like okay america was founded on very specific principles right like like One of those principles was about democracy, not being not being led by an an aristocracy and a a king, but having like a democratic process that allows the voices of the populace to be heard in some fashion. To me, what I, I mean, what I see and what I hear from the Republicans is that they're fine with increasingly fine with that not being a fundamental part of America, which is like fucking nuts. You know, it is the it is America's one of America's best exports is the foundational belief in democracy and the execution of that democracy, you know. And so to see an entire half of the country just go, well, if the black guy gets ahead, I need to fucking be I need I I need a Hitler, you know, like the fear, the fear and the uncertainty and the and the ignorance of, of that part of the country is fucking literally ripping apart the fundamentals of what America is. And it's crazy. I mean, it really is happening. Like, it actually is happening. Like, the president, as far as we know, is now above the law. He cannot be brought to justice on any level while he's in office. He cannot be investigated. He is, you know, we've basically, the Republicans basically said, we sign off on him making, you know, Becoming, uh, you know, be, you know, becoming a fascist dictator, we sign off on him doing deals where he leverages America's money and power to get dirt on his political rivals. Uh, I mean, for all we know, I mean, if 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 Trump right now were to go, hey, you know what? Let's go to Hillary Clinton's house and arrest her. Would anybody stop them? Like, would anybody now stop them in power? Could anybody stop them? He's got fucking Bill Barr who's supposed to be an an independent you know part of the government that doesn't work at the president's behest who is his fucking lapdog and so like would you know the department of justice is now controlled by the president and it's like does would would anybody stop them from just rounding up his political opponents who would stop them i guess is my question who would say no and that's the fucking scary part is that we're living in a country where no one can say no to him and he basically does whatever he wants even the courts i mean he's weakened the courts tremendously and if it's not if it's not struck down it's a, i mean if it's not getting you know if it's not getting struck down immediately it's because it's caught up in some fucking byzantine system of of a waiting game until they figure out a way to push their shit through so i don't know it's a dark moment you know This podcast is officially no longer a tech podcast. This is just me. I'm just going to be rambling about the threat to America, you know? And then you have these fucking people like Joe Rogan all these both sides motherfuckers. People are like, you know, Spotify did a deal with Joe Rogan, not to segue into some other shit, but Spotify does a deal with Joe Rogan. It's like, he's exclusive to Spotify. Like we're supposed to be excited about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is like a fucking quasi anti-vaxxer, basically a fucking Republican, basically a fucking QAnon truther. There's a guy who will believe any fucking conspiracy theory, puts on some of the worst fucking people on his show. Um, And like his, you know, his claim to fame is what? He's popular with fucking people who are on Reddit. You know, and it's like we're supposed to cheer on like the fucking Barry Weiss, dipshit Barry Weiss, who writes for the New York Times, one of their garbage columnists wrote a fucking piece about how Joe Rogan is the new mainstream is the new mainstream media. It's like, well, if Joe Rogan's the new mainstream media, we're really in fucking trouble because mainstream that means mainstream media is basically is basically the same shit that you can find on 4chan. I mean, the dude's the dude's reading list is basically 4chan, you know? Anyhow, now I'm rambling, but I'm just saying that we're in a dark moment in this country. And uh, I mean, even the New York Times, you know, talk about talking about mainstream media. You know, they fucking they're publishing shit like that.
1: Yeah, it's just I think it's important that we highlight that although obviously everyone needs to take part in the democratic process and everyone needs to get involved in their communities and local governments and that's not like a nicey nice thing to say anymore like you you actually have to like if you're listening to this and you're not involved at all on any level in the democratic process if you're not registered to vote if you don't go to your town hall meetings if you don't get informed and have opinions on your local legislators and your representatives like that is your top priority right now like i don't i don't have stronger words for you um i don't know how else to say it um i understand you've been hearing rock the vote from idiots since like we were children but you actually do need to get involved at this point because it is your life that is literally on the line um but i also think we need to acknowledge that the protesters happening and rebelling and demonstrating in Minneapolis and Louisville right now are doing so because there is no way and there shouldn't even be it shouldn't even be up to discussion to vote on whether or not the police should kill black people like the police are murdering black people the police are imprisoning journalists the police are starting riots. The police are militarized and the police are doing random acts of violence, like pouring tear gas at the side of their car as they drive by groups of people. We are at a point where the police are a terrorist organization and it it might not be every police officer, but there is a The state has a monopoly on violence, and there has been a clear and direct message that many police officers are virulent racists who will use it to enact oppression upon groups of people that they deem unworthy of their protection. And I think it's really important that we highlight that a lot of the people who are most impacted by this are unable to vote because of because of disenfranchisement because of gerrymandering because of you know polling location shenanigans and intimidation and financial stress and i think we're at a point where like i mean this is make or break like we i, I'm, I don't think there's a scenario where america comes back and is like the world leader and you know everything is hunky-dory and we're continue to be the most influential country bar like far and away beyond anyone else. But I do think that there is a scenario where we can put an end to this and we can take active steps forward and we can say like enough is enough. And I hope that we rise to the challenge and we don't get caught up in the absurdities of partisan, like the quote unquote partisan politic discussions when one party is an extremist, violent, terrorist organization that is trying to perform a coup on the American government and, and install fascist rule. And the other party is just like people who would like a democratic system and want to debate the merits of like tax structures. <laughs> okay. um, and I, 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 it's, I don't understand, like I talk to people, especially people here in Indiana, Um, there's a variety of things I've experienced in the past week or so that are shocking and scary and upsetting. But one of them is that people are hesitant to say that it's any group's fault or any one person's fault. They don't want to blame Trump and they don't want to blame Republicans and they don't want to blame white people because they are white people. Um, But it's also a thing of like they've been told their entire life to be like polite and nice quote unquote. And that like, you know, that anyone making a problem or anyone involved in a quote unquote problem or issue is making a problem or issue. And that like, if they would just stop, everything would be great because it's great for them. And it's like when you're in school and like someone calls you gay and punches mm-hmm. you, and then you both get suspended for being involved in a conflict. It's like, that's no, no. One of those people is clearly performing a hate crime. Um, the other one is the victim. We are at a point where like, I mean, Malcolm X spoke and wrote about this beautifully, but we are at a point where like we have to justify wanting to not be murdered or oppressed or have our lives completely dominated financially um, and physically. And I, I, I like, I, I don't, At the moment, I I, people are more people are talking about whether or not Trump should have an asterisk next to his tweets that provides more (laughs) fact checked information on the issue he's discussing than are discussing the fact that like more people are upset that like a target was robbed or looted, um, than are upset about the murder of innocent black people at the hands of cops who had been previously flagged multiple times for violence and threats. And I, it's like, we have to write about this stuff. We have to write about the tech angle of these things. And there is a tech angle, but it also just sometimes feels like I don't want to create a distraction by discussing this Twitter thing, but I also know that we have to protect these platforms and we have to protect freedom of speech and we have to protect our right to a grounded fact-based society. We have to protect journalism and truth and democracy. And if we don't discuss these things and prioritize everything, you know, how do we juggle all of this stuff? I mean, this has been the question of the entire Trump administration is how do you prioritize when they move from thing to thing? And it's so easy to break stuff. It's so easy to just be like, I executive order banned Twitter. Now the lawyers will fight about it in court, but I did it. Now we're going to move on to me breaking this other thing. And it's so hard to build stuff. And it, it, I, I sometimes think like, should we not be covering this Twitter thing in detail or do we have a responsibility as this being a defining moment for free speech on the internet, which has been like the most transformative thing that has happened in my lifetime. And I don't, I mean, you could argue that Trump is a result of the internet. And so how do we, how do we, concentrate on the most important and physically threatening issues and still do the work about all the other stuff. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we were then this morning in Slack just trying to make a catalog of everything that Trump has done and every horrifying development since his election. And I mean, there's so much stuff that you just <laughs> right, forget. Right, you forget. It I just, mean, it we were, just goes out we the were window. We are literally going
0: down this list and it's like, um, you know, you could, it's like 10 things. And then I was like, oh, the Paris Accord. Remember the Paris Accord? We were in this huge... Global pact to like actually try to reduce greenhouse gases and 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 get the get the world back to a state of health, and it's like he was like yeah fuck that I mean that was one of his earliest things I mean I remember you know very it was I mean it was obvious like, I mean it's always been obvious that he was going to do everything that he could to undo any anything that Obama did because he's I mean he's so racist and he's so he's such a bitch and he's so hurt about Obama making jokes at, at him about him at a, a White House you know. The White House press dinner because because the guy's a fucking racist ass truther um, that he literally has built his entire platform around undoing Obama's policies. And it's like, you know, but like you forget. Because there's so many things that he's worked so hard to fuck up, like things that are you weren't even like, well, that shouldn't, that's not in question, like you know the EPA, like making sure you can't dump like chemicals into a fucking lake near people's houses and shit, you know, be being able to sell or develop on government. You know, own land that's supposed to be protected, like you know, we're, you know, national parks, like just basic stuff. You're like, well, that's why are we worrying about that? I mean, even fucking Roe v. Wade. It's like, you know, they've chipped away at it so much over the last few years. I mean, it's unbelievable what they've done to try to repeal um, Roe v. Wade in in little ways and huge ones. And it's like, it, you just kind of get, yeah, you kind of get like it's overwhelming when you th- when you take stock of it. You know, and now it's like, look, I mean, this, this country is a fucking powder keg. I mean, there are, there are, I mean, you see these, 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 um, protests which have turned into full scale, you know, rioting and like, by the way, th- this is what you fucking get when you murder and oppress the citizenry of a country. This is what precedes revolution. I mean, and I'm not saying that to be, you know, dramatic. I'm saying that like in, con- in, in the most historic revolutions, Looting and rioting and mass protests are what precede the revolution part, you know? And the people, the crazy thing is that the people who are in power, who are the oppressors, and you see these motherfuckers who try to go into a store and they don't want to wear a mask, you know? These, the white people, the white Republicans who are literally the oppressors and in power are like, their whole point of view is that they're the people who are being wronged. That somehow, like the most incredible thing is like you know they throw around this fucking snowflake shit, and it's yet like like the most incredible thing. I mean, twi- I mean the Twitter thing with the Twitter drama with Trump is a perfect example. He's the in the oppressed class. He is the person who's being who's being beset by social media. Meanwhile, the guy has huge fucking followings on social media. It's his main platform for communicating with his base like these white people who want to go into a store and do whatever the fuck they want. The people who, by the way, are all, the you know, remember the gay cake thing? The guy was like, I don't want to make cakes for gay people. They went to the fucking Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled in his favor. So you can be like, hey, you're gay. I don't want to make a cake for you. That's that's within your rights. These same people, when they're, they try to go to a store and the store's like, sorry, you have to wear a mask. That's Those are our rules for the store. We don't let people, we don't serve people who aren't wearing a mask. These people are like, uh, fucking hoisting up the American flag and getting ready to do battle. It's like, fuck off. You know, you entitled, you entitled fucking bitches. They're so fucking, they're so fucking entitled. They've been raised like coddled little fucking babies, like suckling at the teat of American f- a fucking uh, laziness and exceptionalism, exceptionalism in quotes. They're now, they, the second that anything that anything that isn't comfort for them or isn't familiar to them it arrives in their in their view. They're they're, they're like they're you know their their top goal is to is to stay, to rise up against it. It's like fuck off. It's like these people have been fucking babied and coddled. They've never been told no in their lives. They've never had to deal with actual hardship. Now they want to fucking why like this woman in the fucking Central Park, you know she's never heard anybody tell her to put her dog on a leash. This entitled white fucking asshole has never heard somebody say to her, hey, you're not allowed to do that. And the second it happens and that it was coming from a black man, just set her brain just fucking exploded. You know? It's like, the, the truth is, we need fucking adults running the country and we need to stop coddling these fucking right-wing babies who think that everything is coming to them and will always be coming to them and that nobody else deserves it. It's, it's fucking insane that we live in this way and that we have to like watch it unfold and unfurl and it seems so out of our control. Now look, I mean, look, I get it. Nobody's excited about Biden, but I will literally fucking take anything to stop this. Like, I will take. I know Biden is not the main, the best guy, but anything at this point, you know. Like, I just have to stress. Like, I know I've said this before. The only thing we can actually fucking do is vote. You know, at this point, and if they don't try to massively derail and defraud our voting system, our best chance to end this fucking madness is to is to vote in droves. For the other party. I know you may not like the guy, but he's better than what's there now. And if you don't see that and don't believe that, then you are truly part of the fucking problem, in my opinion. And, and, and you know, Ryan, you may disagree. You may be mad about that statement. But I think if you don't see that there is a lesser of evils, a tremendous lesser of evils here, I don't know what to say.
1: I, I, I'm not saying not to vote for Joe Biden. And You're saying vote Democrats for Joe Biden. You love Joe ticket. Biden.
0: You are Joe Biden's number one.
1: I'm saying fan. yes. Vote for Joe Biden. Vote for everyone down ballot who is not does not have an R next to their name. That it needs to be an overwhelming landslide. I yes, a hundred percent. I think the Democrats. Are not setting themselves up for success. They do not take these issues as seriously as they need to in order to stop this stuff. They're both sides: centerism, moderate, neo-lib, Clinton era, third way, bullshit, fucking. We need to appeal, and we need to we need to be kind to the people who've never heard no in their life. Yeah. I I don't. Yeah, I'm, the reach across I, it, it the we aisle need to stuff. Call out yeah. That it is bad and it has to stop. Yeah, the re- the reach
0: to across stop. the aisle we have to the, stop. that whole thing where it's like you know it's like listen um I I maybe me- I mean Joe Kennedy tweeting like w- if lives matter, what lives, Joe? Why are you tweeting about well, lives matter? I mean, do, you, do you mean all or black? Cuz if you mean black, say black. You know, I mean the, the the willful the look the, some of the willful first off I mean don't get me started on the whole Black Lives Matter the willful ignorance of people who want to like misinterpret or reinterpret the statement but like the 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 Democrats I mean they one of their biggest one of their biggest problems has has historically been. This idea, they're like, well, we see the goodness, like all these like centrist Democrats are like, well, we see the goodness in everybody and we want to reach across the aisle. And it's like, yo, every time you reach across the aisle, they get a fucking chainsaw out and they cut your fucking hand off. Like, why do you keep reaching? Like, these people are not... You're not dealing with reasonable people. Like within your party, you may be able to like have squabbles. Like, listen, I totally believe that Bernie and Biden, they disagree on a lot of things, but I'll bet you they agree on a lot of things too. And I'll bet you they're able to sit in a room and like have differences of opinion. The Republicans don't operate like that. You fucking fall in line with the Republican platform, whatever is laid out to you by Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, and if you don't fucking fall in line, you are ostracized and cut out of the fucking mix. With the Democrats, you think they're having? You think they fucking think those people are their colleagues? You think they think Democrats are their buddies to work with on on bipartisan bills? The only time they do bipartisan bills is when the stakes are so fucking low that it doesn't matter, you know. They're not they they want they want to fucking destroy the other party. And the Democrats are like, well, maybe we can, you know, maybe we uh, we can work out something. It's like, no, dude, you know, toughen the fuck up, stop reaching across the aisle, stop acting like the people who are wearing the fucking MAGA hat with the AK forty seven who are talking about overthrowing the government are gonna be a good Democrat, you know? That's not their deal. That's not who they that's I mean, not who it, they are. It, it
1: comes down to if you can't change someone's mind in one tweet, you're not going to change it in like a hundred tweets. And if you can't get people to understand in real life, in person, you can't get them to understand that everybody has a right to physical safety. Everyone has a right to health care. Everyone has a right to a job. Everyone has a right to an education. If you cannot have that, get that person to look you in the eye and say that the police shouldn't murder private citizens unprovoked, if you can't get that person to look you in the eye and say that black people and gay people and trans people and Indian people and Asian people and immigrants documented and undocumented, if you can't get someone to look at you and tell you that disabled people deserve dignity and that all of these groups deserve an equal chance and equal treatment under the law, you're not going to get them to do it. So, like, stop doing this, like, well, let's hear him out, or
0: like you know, eh, I agree with Trump on a couple no, of things. Yeah, like, right. stop, exactly. just stop. I mean, you could be just like, fucking like, stop. The it's like at some point, at some point, you have to have, like, I look. I totally get people who are like you know uh i agree with his trade policies or whatever it's like totally cool awesome you know hitler had some great trade policies also but at some point you have to draw a line in the sand and go like no matter how much i it's like i don't want to hear no matter it. how much i agree with like a person's like other it's like well you know trump actually was really entertaining it's like I, you know what i think he is entertaining actually when he was on tv he was very entertaining uh you have to at some point go like, well, this is the stakes are different. The, we're not talking about trade policy here. We're talking about the overall health and well-being of America and its citizenry. And it's like if you are still walking around going like, hey, no, look, I don't agree with the, race stuff, with the racism stuff, but, but he's done a lot of good things for the economy. Like If you're that guy, fuck you. Fuck you. I mean, first
1: off, the economy is in shreds. Well, the so economy, I don't know. OK,
0: but but in by the way, the economy and people will say, you know, Republicans will say "Well, this was the China virus or whatever. And it's like, listen, the reality is the economy is bad and we have lost lives and jobs because of Trump's failure to acknowledge and act on that fucking virus when he had a chance to really stop it from spreading here. You know, I mean, you can come the... up with any you you can come up with anything in the Rube Goldberg machine that
1: is the universe, and be like, actually, it's not uh, our fault that the economy fell apart because it's the virus's fault. Well, did you dissolve the pandemic response team? Right, exactly. Did you have any stockpile of tests? Did you right. take right. the virus seriously, or did you say it was going to go away in April?
0: Right, exactly. That's the thing is that like this is all like leadership fucking matters. This is all about what you do. When you need leadership, what the answers are, when you have problems to solve. And like the reality is, he's not, this guy's not a problem solver. He's a problem creator. Nothing he's done has solved any fucking problems unless you're a racist xenophobe. If you're a racist xenophobe, he solved a lot of problems for you. But like, I don't think that's, I don't believe that that is what the majority of Americans are concerned about and, and focused on in their lives. I don't think the majority of Americans are like, I need to keep people of color out of you know positions of power, and I need to keep uh, Mexicans from coming into the country, and I need you know like it's like I don't think that's what people are thinking all day long. I think people have prejudices and biases, and they're deep rooted, and they come out in all sorts of different ways. But I don't think that like on the on the list of people's um, most people most voting uh, age people in America, if you ask them to prioritize what they're thinking about and worried about every day, it's not about immigration. It's not about fucking, uh, you know, b- b- black, you know, what what black people are doing or what what brown people are doing. It's like, you know, their job, the economy, fucking education, you know, things that are really happening. And like, the, what's crazy to me is like, I'm trying to understand where 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 Trump has appealed to those people who are actually are thinking about those things at this point, where there is an an op- where you would say like, I'm doing better than I was four years ago. Who's doing better than they were four years ago? Like, is there anybody besides really rich motherfuckers? Yeah, billionaires. besides billionaires, five
1: hundred billion dollars during the economic collapse. That
0: yeah, and, and don't who get else taxed is doing on any better. Of it? Who else is doing better? I don't know a single person. I don't know a single person and I, and I do know some pretty rich people. I haven't talked to anybody who s- s- suggests that they're have they're having a better time or doing better. Because I mean,
1: even if they were doing better financially, like maybe you happened to have gotten a better
0: job, you are now trapped in your home and your company is falling apart. Right. And it, by the way, even there's like there's like levels of rich, you know. Like the people who are getting who are really getting getting like the shit right now who are getting like the good stuff they're the mega rich i don't even think like the middle middle rich are doing that well like you know one of trump's big things was like you know he went after essentially the blue states where people live like a lot of his tax policies fuck over the people who are like not the richest but really well off it's like who is who are the and those are a lot of those people who are people who voted for trump You know, they're like stockbrokers and shit, not like not like hedge fund, not people who run hedge funds, but people who work at the hedge funds, you know, and like who thinks this is going well? Like, no matter what, I feel like unless you're at Jeff Bezos level, I mean, even Bezos doesn't like Trump, you know, who thinks it's going well? You've got to be so fucking stupid to think things are going well in America. They really aren't not for anybody. And they won't be until we fucking get rid of these crooks. I mean, it's so crazy to me. What seems so obvious to us, Ryan, is weirdly not obvious to other people, and it's it's crazy. It's nuts. The other thing, can I just say? And this is somewhat internet related, since we're not talking about at all about our typical topics, um, except for Trump, um, the QAnon stuff, the like the conspiracy theory stuff, like. I, you know, now in every thread related to Trump, there are people immediately talking about like these weird, you know, co- QAnon code words. And I'm trying to figure out, like, I want to believe that most of it are they're bots, you know, like I'm trying to believe that they're bots, because if they're not, I don't, bots, I don't know. I mean, even
1: in like celebrity gossip news forums, like, ooh, look at these pictures of Ana de Armas with Ben Affleck, viral stories about Q talking points, like Hillary Duff is a child molester. Yeah, and you can Who, tell that she has secrets. She has secret symbols in her Instagram stories, and her child is up for sale to the Illuminati. And so, that yeah, let's she just say she orders
0: beans. she orders her pizza with extra cheese. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, totally. That's literally no, but that's literally they 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 they're like you know she talked about pizza like they're documenting this stuff on mainstream celebrity news. Like discussion forums. And yeah. so, it, what happens is you spread these, ter- you start with these terms as a joke, right? Then someone starts taking it seriously or starts, like, kind of like half joking, but like, you know, we really should talk about the Jews. And then. Like, because, you know, here's the thing. Many Jewish people are powerful. And I would like to just have a discussion about why one ethnic group is more powerful and controls the media. And then you're having that conversation. And then a bunch of people push back. And then you have a both sides 50-50 scenario. And then the term gets used and used and used and used. And then it's ironically used by liberals, especially, like, my section of the very progressive people will start saying cuck ironically because it's funny. Right. But then eventually they start going like, you know what? Trump is a cuck. And then they start using the word "cuck" a lot. And then mainstream people start using it. And then Rachel Maddow goes, "Our president is a cuck." And that is how the far right fucking extremist <laughs> conspiracy theory how shit they win bathes itself into the entire culture,
0: yeah, actually. remember when uh, there were all those synagogues being like defaced, and Trump, like, refused to condemn the violence. He was like, They were like, like for several days, he wouldn't say anything about it. Like people would ask him, like, "Do you condemn this?" And he like basically wouldn't. This is the kind of shit. It's like it's so weird to me. It's like, why not just say, "Yeah, of course." Of course I condemn.
1: Because he has nothing to gain
0: from it, and he enjoys
1: seeing cruelty. He's a psychopath. That is what right. they do. Yeah, he, he has no, no – he gets nothing from saying anything, but he gets virulent, violent support if he doesn't say anything, right. and he gets to see cruelty play out, and he loves It's a nightmare.
0: That. Anyhow, we're living in a nightmare world. I think – I want to change topics. Just We have a little bit of time left here to talk about other things, and I want to talk about a few other things. I just would like to say – all I can say is uh, it's unlikely that this uh, podcast will Not be very political in the. I mean, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. If you don't want to hear about politics, I would beg you to reconsider. You don't have
1: to listen to us, but I would beg you to reconsider that.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, I agree. That would be a mistake not to listen to us. Um, I think that, but I think that, like, listen, I mean, as I've said for a long time now, people must vote. Voting is the only answer, the only salvation that we have in this world. Um, And we've got to do it. You've got to do it no matter what. Uh, otherwise, I really, really fear for you know the future of this country. And you know the reality is like it, it's like it, it's not that much better anywhere else right now. I mean, a lot of countries are going through this shit, and I do believe, I mean, it is income inequality has contributed a lot to the just the chaos of it, but that has also contributed to the power that these that the rich can exact and and the power that they can get a hold of in governments around the world. I mean, make no mistake about it. This is I mean 9 times out of 10 this is not ideological. Like I believe Trump is a racist, but I think more than a racist he's greedy and he's a he's a he's a criminal. He wants and he just, wants he wants to stay in power and he wants money. And there's really good ways to do that. One of the f- most famous ways to do it, a classic way is to stoke up a base about an other so that you all have a common enemy that you can you can use to retain power and gain power. I mean, that is definitely a part of this. It's not just it's like Elon Musk but, talking about, you know, you know, it's American freedom is being you know, is being perverted when he, people can't go back to work at his at his factory. He's not really interested in American freedoms. He's interested in his profits. And and it's like it's in the guise of some, you know, wrapped up in the flag, but the reality is is not about fucking it's not about personal freedom it's about his ability to fucking get paid and so i think that when we when we watch trump i'm not saying that his racism is insincere i think it's extremely sincere it just happens to be a really nice compliment to his other goals which is like greed and power
1: i i think you know and i want to leave it on this just if you if someone you know doesn't understand that like if you talk about billionaires and wealth inequality or you talk about the like the unbelievable amount of power that white people, especially white men have in this country. And they talk, they say things like, well, it's not his fault. He was born white or, you know, he earned his money or what are we going to penalize success in this country? Just stop for a second. And like, think about the fact that there are three major kinds of power. There's the power to vote, which is direct political power. There's money, which is uh, like a form of, power currency we've created to trade amongst each other for resources. And there's social power, which is the stuff you're socialized to believe the kind of people you're socialized to follow or listen to or leave alone. Yeah. If you, if the wealthy people in this country who have a ton of one kind of power only have one vote, what, what, what other kind of power can they hoard? Because they can't make themselves whiter right? Like they can't make themselves or whiteness be more respected, quote unquote. So what of those three can they hoard and then use to take the other two? Because if you think about like a capitalist system or any sort of system that is considers itself sort of zero sum that like, that, that we're all individuals and we all need to be in competition with each other. You can call that capitalism. You can, you can just call it like, you know, some people think it's like human nature. I don't think that that's human nature. I don't think that that's the only way people can be. But if you if the, if that's the system that we're living in and that we've been raised in and that's the our entire society, every part of it from d- down to the family structure is built to encourage that rugged individualism and competition. Of course, people are going to use what advantages they have to get more power to ensure that they continue to win and stay safe and have the resources they need. And White people already have an advantage and they're going to hoard as much of that power as they can until they can take, take away your right to vote, until they can take away the one kind of power that we've democratized. And it was inevitable that this was going to happen because, you know, you can't – power attracts power and, and it's going to polarize and it's going to and, – and if you don't create a system where you can only get so rich – or if you don't create a system that protects people of all races with baseline, a baseline of safety, if that those systems aren't in place, if you're not enforcing them, of course we're going to have a handful of people who hoard all money and power and become like god kings right. because that's the, how the system is built. Right. And of course Jeff Bezos will have more money than he could ever fathomably spend on anything, on anything. He has so much money that he could come – he couldn't – invent things for people to do to run out of money that wouldn't make him more money it's it's infinite he has a, right. an infinite amount of capital in our society he has one vote why of course he's going to have people who lobby the government or who who or who influence or who bribe politicians influence political actors to disenfranchise some people's vote so that he can have an advantage of where his warehouse gets built or right. where how much he has to give workers. So I beg you, yeah. beg you, to engage in these converse- conversations and to understand that we have to take it back. We have to take our power back. And with that, I would like to move on. But I wow. had to get it out because wow. it has been. That's fine. Up I mean,
0: me. we're gonna we'll spend a few minutes on some other stuff, and then I I don't want to like look. I'm look. We're look. This is what's going on in the world right now. With the the shit shit is bad. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on. I mean, listen. There there are people. There are people who will don't want to get don't want to engage in these conversations. There are people who 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 want to you know stand on the sidelines. I think like I I get like you know my career was built on like doing tech journalism. Obviously, I've done a lot of different things. I I, don't, I find it impossible to not be like real about this stuff and like just to say this is where I'm at and I know this is where a lot of the people I know are at and and I feel like talking about it. You know, like I don't feel like and this is true of. Of input, it's true of of anything that I do or anything that you know we're involved in. It's like it's really hard to like just act like, "Hey, this is pure entertainment or whatever," and like the real world doesn't exist here. Like, you know, the real world definitely exists, and it's impossible to avoid right now. And frankly, like, look, there are times. There have been times. If 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 we rewound the clock to six years ago, my guess is, and I, I guarantee you, can rewind the clock to me on a podcast six years ago. I'm probably not talking about politics like this you know um they probably come up but it's not like this and the reality is oh god if you go back to some of the things that early in the show please don't
1: um we all had (laughs) terrible opinions and we all had terrible priorities because we didn't know what we didn't know but we do now and you you can't unknow how important this is or how make or break this is or how 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 this kind of how politics and this kind of threat supersedes and infects every other aspect of your life there is nothing right now you turn on the tv even if a show was recorded during the happy go lucky 90s economic boom it is it stands in contrast the fact that you can pull that up in an instant and watch it and relive those memories but you can't go get a test for the global pandemic that is raging but you're trapped in your home and you can like watch old versions of society play out over and over again to like coddle yourself and convince yourself that it's all going to be okay. That is political. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like you can turn it off your brain and escape for a little while, but you're making a political choice there and, and, and it's impossible to not talk about it. And especially now that we're in the news every day, I know you're back in the news. I am in the news now every single day. Uh, It would be disingenuous if I came on this podcast and I was like, Hey, I made cookies. I mean, like, hey, listen, there's a lot. That's of, not really me. I mean,
0: not that we need to defend it, but I'm just saying there's a lot of people who you want to, talk about, you want to hear about tech. You want to hear about some tech reviews, a lot of podcasts you can listen to. Um, anyhow, speaking of tech, uh, Ryan, you forced us into doing Sega Week. You like that transition? Sega that's week. how That's how it's done. Ryan has forced <laughs> his staff of input into doing a thing called Sega <laughs> Week where we all have to write about. I mean, I keep threatening to write about Golden Axe, though I have yet to actually do it. Um, it's the 60th anniversary of the existence of Sega, uh, Ryan's favorite video game company. And so we're doing a bunch of Sega related <laughs> coverage. Um, a piece, uh, one piece that, that, uh, Ray did, which, you know, listen, I actually have mixed feelings about this though. I, I basically, you know, obviously disagree. Ray, Ray Wong wrote a piece about how the Sonic games suck. And I will say this. I mean, there have been a lot of bad Sonic games. I mean, there have been bad Sonic games. I mean, maybe not a lot, yes. but certainly some. There um, have been bad Sonic games, there have been bad Mario games, and there
1: have been more bad Sonic games than there have been bad <laughs> Mario games. I mean,
0: what I like is, one of the, thing, the things I like is he's, like, too fast. And, like, I do agree. There is, like, <laughs> there is, I mean, I get the whole Sonic's whole thing is he's fast, you know? Um, But there it is sometimes, like, kind of, like, just, like, I, it's, like, it is a little annoying. You're, like, what, what am I, like, what's happening right now? Like, what am I running past? Like, why is this happening to me? Um... I think it's look. It's a controversial opinion. It's not one that I can stand behind personally. I will be
1: I will be fighting that opinion with my own piece about how actually the Sonic games have always been good. <laughs>
0: mm, uh, I can't wait. Um, and uh, and you've been doing these pieces that I think are really interesting. You're like how to you did one? Uh, I think have you put two up now? How to build the it's like how to build the ultimate sega saturn and how to build the ultimate game gear am i getting the titles right something like that
1: yeah i'm going to do all the major sega consoles by the yeah. 60th anniversary
0: how to build the ultimate sega saturn was really interesting to me cuz basically it's like here's if you want to like play like the greatest sega saturn experience you can play like here's all the stuff that you need and um and it's sort of like surprising how much modding and tweaking you can do like like i thought it was like wild that you can like put a drive into a sega saturn I, mean, I don't know how complicated this mod is but um you know it's, it's a, a drop-in
1: mod there are uh there are drop-in really? mods
0: at this point where you
1: just yeah you just have to connect the ribbon cable and position some things um i mean that's, that's really
0: it that, that to me is so crazy what's so interesting about it is god this is such a hard pivot into talking about the sega saturn but what's so interesting about it is like you can um you know it's just like uh, to see the communities that are, have come up around these systems that seem so obscure, like I don't even—I'm trying to think of a Sega Saturn game. Like, was was Shenmue? Was Shenmu like a, a, a Saturn game?
1: No, Shenmue was, was dream a uh, Dreamcast game. Like
0: Dream, yeah. the Saturn precedes the Dreamcast, right?
1: Yeah, the Saturn was uh, it was short lived, but it was um their console that competed with the N sixty four and the PlayStation. So it was, uh,
0: the biggest games on it were um, Symphony of the Night. um, Oh, Symphony of the Night was on. Wait, is that right? Hold on, Sega. Yeah, Symphony of the Night was Saturn Saturn games. I'm I'm googling this right now. I I definitely this was like a generation that I missed. Like I think this was the generation where I started playing. um, Oh yeah, Symphony of the Night. I think I started playing, um, What well, you said this was contemporary with what, the N64? Yeah. Um, you remember
1: Nights, Nights into Dreams, that mm, kind of era?
0: Yeah, I remember this, but I don't, I mean, I have a vague memory of it. They actually released a lot of games for it. I mean, it was very popular in Japan at the time. I guess I'm trying to think, like, okay, GameCube is post-N64, right? Mm-hmm. GameCube is the system comes out after the N64 and Dreamcast and GameCube are competitors, correct? Yes, although Dreamcast got quite a jump of a couple of years on every other. Right, Dreamcast and then it was and then the N64 or sorry, the GameCube came out. So th- I think I basically missed this generation. I don't think I had an N64 and I don't think I had a Saturn. I think I basically was like I went. I mean, I guess is this the same era as the PlayStation? Yes. So I guess what happened is that I went, I was like full on PlayStation. So the Saturn was a PlayStation competitor, essentially.
1: Yeah. The Saturn was, uh, well, it was originally designed to be the ultimate 2D platformer system, like the ultimate, like, like take 16 and evolve that. um, But because the PlayStation was going all in on 3D and then Nintendo pivoted to go all in on 3D, um, Sega just like threw everything they had into the Saturn. So it was a PlayStation competitor, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's for.
0: interesting is that what's interesting is that the the, the PlayStation came out in December of ninety uh, four, uh, and in Japan, and the Saturn came out in November of ninety four, uh, in Japan, and May of of ninety five in North America. And uh, but what's so crazy is, um, at that time, Sony was like nothing in video games. Like my my recollection is Sony. I mean, right? They hadn't done anything before the PlayStation. That they had been
1: begging Nintendo and Sega to collaborate with them, right, on on a PlayStation.
0: So, so, so what's so amazing is, is like, I, I guess I went from 16-bit. I went from 16-bit. I must have been like doing some PC gaming when it was like in its infancy, but like definitely was more advanced than a lot of the 16-bit stuff. And then, and then I guess I got really into PlayStation, probably largely because of Metal Gear and Resident Evil. And like then, I was on a whole different track. I had a Dreamcast, which I, I may have somewhere here. I have somewhere. I, I have somewhere in my in my in my in either in this house or in my parents' house. I have a Dreamcast in a box. Um, but I had a PlayStation. I had a Dreamcast, and then I had a GameCube. And I got the I got the Dreamcast because of Code Veronica. This I remember very vividly. I was like, I need to play any new Resident Evil game, and Code Veronica was like a huge leap in terms of like. It, I think it was the first Resident Evil game with real time 3D, like where instead of the rooms being like pre-rendered that you walked around in, they were like, yeah. they actually moved. Like I mean, Code Veronica
1: it. was originally going to be Resident Evil 3, and then they switched which one would be a spinoff and which one would be a sequel.
0: Yeah. At any rate, so so I got a Dreamcast basically for Code Veronica, and then I got the um, GameCube for, uh, uh, for Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Like the, the Resident Evils, basically oh, the reasons I bu- buy game, the, the reasons I buy new game systems is if there's a Resident Evil game available. <laughs> so you know, take that for what you will. Um, that's interesting though because they got they basically got like they had been doing everything on PlayStation and and they based, Sega basically got them to do an exclusive for the Dreamcast.
1: Um, Code Veronica did get released elsewhere after that, but yes, it but was much a, later. Essentially, a flagship. <laughs> a flagship exclusive for the Dreamcast.
0: Yeah, I mean it came out in um 99, yep, on on the Dreamcast and it didn't come out on the PlayStation until 2001. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, the Anyhow. reason
1: that um I've been working on those and that like such a huge community has sprung up around those consoles is you know, w- nobody was preserving any of this because it was seen as like toys, but these are like pieces of art and 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 the emergence of you know, the kind of digital worlds that we expect to be our entire future. And, you know, if you don't preserve some of these consoles there, I mean, emulation is okay, but there's no other way to like perfectly preserve all of these games and consoles that other than to update them and perform maintenance on them and mod them. And and basically, you know, it, it, you, it it's, it's, it is the kind of maintenance you have to do on a painting, you know, it's the kind of like upkeep you need. And so this community has popped up, but what's great is that just like a museum, which can keep art alive and can give it to the public at a super reduced cost. The internet has made it so that, you know, you can build this kind of stuff and experience that art and that fun and that like entertainment, no matter like what you sort of like, no matter what, um, happens in time or like what kind of technology changes or what is produced or no longer produced by these companies like there's an effort to preserve all of it which i think is really important but also like you know i I, there's a big i mean we can discuss the uh, coinciding with our doing a week of sega stuff um and the company's 60th anniversary there is a big announcement coming um from sega in the next issue of famitsu that um it, there's been whispers that it's like a really big, important deal. Um, mm. And I think that in my mind, either they become a first party publisher for someone like Microsoft and they become one of the Xbox Studios brands. Yeah. Um, and Microsoft just purchases them all out or creates some kind of deal. Or what we're going to see is, I mean, Sega has been really good about trying to preserve their games with things like Sega Ages and, you know, all these Genesis collections and the mini consoles. Like, they constantly go back to the well of their, like, history, which is good. I mean, nostalgia is great. But I think what we – there's a chance we could see a multi-platform streaming service of their back catalog. Mm. um, And that they'll add new games that they develop to it, like Xbox Game Pass. But it will sort of be the Netflix of – of game. I mean, it sounds and, a little. It sounds yeah. It sounds a
0: little limited, but I'm open to the possibility.
1: I think you know, if that's not the case, then certainly if they became a first party publisher for Xbox, that Microsoft getting that full back catalog means that it could come to with backwards compatibility to the their new console, which would be great for them because they don't really have that kind of deep back catalog that Nintendo mm-hmm. and even Sony really has. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of fascinating because like. How do is that a preservation to like download the game and run it on an emulator like through official means you're not using the hardware and there's latency introduced and like there could be like graphical or audio differences like it's sort yeah. of an interesting time for the medium to decide like what if it's an art form and like which it is but right like, what how how you like grapple well, with it that is, culturally it is, and like
0: yeah I mean I that's an interesting thing because like we were talking about there's this the the code the source code is released for um uh, what was it Super Mario 3D and yeah is, is it the game um and Super Mario
1: it, uh, it's it's a Super Mario 64
0: a Super Mario 64 right and um and it's like so now you can like there's like these like perfect like 4K versions of it or whatever and I'm kind of like yeah like but this doesn't look right to me you know it's like it doesn't That's look not like. not what the game was. It's not what the game was, right? And I'm actually, I'm literally, while we're talking, I'm watching a, a video, which is 100 Dreamcast games in, in 10 minutes or something. And it's just like little clips of all of the different games. And for some of these games, I mean, I kind of want to play some of these games. Like, I, I'm very curious about them. They are aesthetically very of a moment in time, like this really interesting moment that was like, you know. It's just like you can see how the transition from like sixteen bit, in thirty two bit, like sort of flat games is 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 moving from the flatness of those games into this weird world of where three D is everything, and it's like there you know there are some games that are still firmly in two D, but there are a lot of games that are like two D aesthetics that are like slapped onto three D games, and I think it's really it's a very interesting and like I don't think it would be. You know, I don't want to see HD versions of these games. Like, I was actually looking while we were talking, I wanted to see Resident Evil Code Veronica video. And there were all these videos of like Resident Evil Code Veronica HD or whatever. And it's like, yeah, like I don't want to look at that. I want to see, yeah, like House of the Dead 2. House of the Dead 2 has a really, really specific look.
1: Full remakes and remasters are a great way to play the game. No, but it's a good way to play the game as you remember it, not necessarily as it was, but as you remember experiencing it. It's a good way to like evoke those same emotions in people. But the it, Final Fantasy VII remake is not the same game as Final Fantasy VII. They are right. No, I mean like like games. like
0: Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Three. The remakes that I just played are like I definitely remember stuff from it, but it's it's really like it's really like it's like a new movie. It's like you know it's like every twenty years somebody makes a version of Jane Eyre. You know, and it's like yes. I mean, it is. it's it's Star Wars with all the special edition
1: effects thrown on top.
0: Well, it's more than that, though. I mean, Resident Evil two and three are totally different games, right? I mean, if you play yeah. Resident Evil two, the originals, you can get HD version of versions of the now with higher textures and higher quality textures and whatever. But they're still like those games, right? They are the actual code of those games. The playing of like the they play yeah. the same way and all that. Resident Evil two and three remakes are like literally like you know the two thousand. 13 version of Jane Eyre versus the 1975 version of Jane Eyre. You know, it's like same source material, but completely new, like graphics, completely new gameplay, like everything, you know? And that's cool. That's interesting too. That's because I think that's a phenomenon that is like a really awesome new thing that's happening where it's like, you can take beloved games. I mean, it actually works better in games than it does in almost any other medium. You can take a beloved game and you can like recreate that experience but make it something totally new. I also think there's something that's really to be said for the nostalgia of playing a game the way it was when you played it, right? Like that's why the the NES Classic is such a you know is such a great idea because it's like this is exactly how it was when I played this when I was fucking eight years old or whatever. And, it, and and
1: it and it's shocking and awesome feeling when you're like, and it's still really fucking good. Oh my god!
0: Like like things and also games I never played. Like like we we've been playing like Doctor Mario. And, and, you know, I didn't play Dr. Mario when I was younger, but like, it's such a good game. It's like so, so addictive and enjoyable. So it's like, it's just interesting to be able to, yeah, I mean, so to your point about Sega Week, I mean, I think it's, I think I like, I mean, I like what we're doing. I think we're going to do more of this, but that whole idea of the communities and cultures and, and, and frankly, like important history built around things like gaming, I think should be explored more deeply. And I mean, we have high school classes that
1: teach you like film history and we have classes that teach you art history and we have classes that teach you like the history of, you know, the, the novel and all of those things. I mean, we even have graphic novel histories classes in colleges at this right. point and and all of those things are appreciated as art forms deserving of criticism themselves not necessarily just used as instructions to make more of that right. but actually deserve that criticizing and consuming those sh- should be careers and analyzing the, what they mean and what they've they're doing to us are important and and we prioritize those things and there is a point at which we we're going to have to have classes where kids are assigned Super Mario Brothers 3 and they have to write down sort of how like these art forms impacted people and how they made us think about technology and how they um the kind of huge leaps made in each generation and how game designers had to figure out what worked and what didn't work with these new dynamics and you know eventually that that that's gonna have to be something and i think it's cool to be getting there and it's cool to to be part of looking back at that stuff and to be on the cutting edge of that like shift. And so as much as Sega week is us looking at the past and us writing about something that's like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog is a meme of shit posting like it's looking at something that's like not necessarily at the peak of its cultural re- relevance it also is like the cutting edge like that is the cutting edge of technology at the moment is is that preservation and stuff in the way right. that the cutting edge of film a few years ago was Netflix yeah and Netflix was just all old movies or like
0: movies from two years ago at least I mean and it's still by the way that's still an incomplete. That's that is also. I mean, I I got. I mean, we could talk about HBO Max, but I don't want to. And I actually have to wrap up because um I got people waiting on me. But uh uh, we were we you know I have HBO Max now. Apparently, I got grandfathered into it or something because I have AT and T TV. Finally, a good thing to come out of having AT and T TV. And um and you know we were like looking for. I mean, Laura and I are basically like, we were like, what old movie? Because they have um a TCM like Turner Classic Movies on there, or like at least they have a category of it. And there are a lot of old movies on there that we were like earmarking like, oh, we should watch this. But we watched Pretty in Pink the other night, which I've never seen. Um, And it's interesting. It really is interesting to like uh, to see how how much there is an incomplete list of things like like on Apple. Like you think Apple would be like, here's AFI's top 100, you know, movies, top 100 American movies or whatever. They don't have that because Apple doesn't have all the movies. Like the movies don't all exist in streaming form. You know, and I think or like they exist in streaming form, but one is on one service and one is on another service. And like this idea of preserving the art forms and the art in the age of digital. It's like a funny thing because we thought it would be so easy when everything is digital to just like, oh, it's digitized. And then you have it like on a hard drive somewhere. But the reality is like. Yeah, but, like, unless you are personally cultivating that, and even if you want to personally cultivate it, it's really fucking hard. Like, even if you want to torrent all that stuff, it's really hard to find the right ones, like, the right And versions. it's hard to
1: maintain. Yeah.
0: CDs rot and hard drives break. And, exactly. Yeah, like, so it's we, interesting. We could lose all of that. It's interesting to see, like, how much, like, preservation of and cataloging of those things and accessibility to them is going to become a part of, like... I mean, it's funny when you think about – I mean, it seems dumb now, but, like, you look at, like, the rise of things like esports, and it's, like – it seems like it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Like, it shouldn't be a big deal. But, like, like in 20 years, you know, our kids will think of, like, things like esports as the way – like, the way that we were raised to think of sports. You know? I think that's probably going to yeah. happen. And so – and so the, the history of that and the lineage that kind of feeds into it, I think, is really important to preserve. And, and so I guess I've come full circle on Sega Week, and I really love it. And I'm really happy that you forced us all into it. And I think you're a brilliant Yay. genius. All right, let's wrap up. Let's do some nice things. And let's get out of here because um, we really actually hard pivoted into Sega and then talked about it for quite a while. So congrats to us for doing both politics and technology on today's <laughs> podcast. We're the best. Um, you got a nice thing?
1: I am obsessed with uh Chromatica, which is Lady Gaga's new album which is out today uh, as we record. Um and it is a cohesive, fantastic house dance pop record about chronic pain and, and oh, wow. finding the sublime in like, you know, your own body horror and the horrors of the world and um Elton John is on it, Ariana Grande is on it, uh Blackpink is on it. It is truly i have i i know that i'm a gaga stan but i have not heard a record this cohesive and this um forward-looking and this innovative in a long time and uh, i mean there are moments on the album that just like my jaw dropped and like i was you know i have high standards for her i love her i'm a stan um i was truly like i haven't felt this way about an album in a long time there's a handful of albums that i that i can put in the category and so obviously i have you know recency bias but uh i love it and i would encourage everybody um if you'd like to have some fun this weekend during the like horrors of the world Mm. um stream chromatica and have a dance party in your kitchen while you
0: cook. wow wow very good um I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna say that sounds very. Uh, that sounds very good. I'll have to listen to it. Um, my nice thing is, I bought Zelda. Was like I want to make a robot, and I bought this Lego kit, um, which is called
1: Mindstormers. That was no, one of those, so no. Nice they kit.
0: Mindstorms. I think was a thing they used to have, but now they have something called. She's like, I want to build a robot and code it. So she has all these games on her iPad that are like logic games. You know, they're like, you put these things in a sequence and then a a robot in the game does the things that you like programmed it to do, which is like a really interesting way to teach somebody like the raw concepts of um, of what like code is, you know. Um, Yeah. So anyhow, so I was like, okay, yeah, like I am extremely on board for you getting into building robots and programming them like finally, you know. you're in my world finally dad gets one dad gets one that's one for dad I'm also (laughs) also, like fully sucked into she's really into My Little Pony and I'm now fully sucked into the My Little Pony like mega multiverse (laughs) and like it's very it is very much speaking to like my comic my like comic nerd roots because it is like deep lore about the ponies and their like existence anyhow but but so yeah so i got this thing like it's called lego boost creative toolbox building set which is whatever it's just the product name that i see on my best buy receipt um it's fucking so cool it is really i mean we're building the robot right now out of legos but it's like very complicated very like intricate but also like they have an iPad thing now where it steps you through the building, which she loves. And like, she literally woke up today at 6.30 a.m. and was like, I want to build a robot, you know? And it was like, we spent like, you know, an hour and a half this morning like working on the robot. Now, admittedly, I am like, A very impatient person so i am like a very bad like partner for her as she's like learning to put together a very i mean she's done legos before but she's learning to put together a very complicated lego i'm like don't force it don't force it why are you forcing it it's like she doesn't know yet how to like really do like finesse the lego pieces into place but um but you know but it's it's cool and it's really i have to say like it's a remarkable uh it's a remarkable piece of engineering I mean, truly, like, the way, these, the, the way that LEGO creates these things. I mean, I'm not, like, I haven't been, like, historically a f- big fan of LEGO. Like, I, mean, I think it's cool, but I just wasn't that into it. But now, like, that I'm seeing it, like, kind of through her eyes and I'm, like, experiencing it as a grown-up, it's, like, really is remarkable what they've done with this concept of of building blocks and how much you can do with it. But also, like, the interface the way it connects to the iPad, the way that she, like, immediately was able to start, like, programming it to do things as soon as we built, like, the first part of it. It is just, like, a a really seamless, um, truly, like, almost magical kind of thing. Like, if I'd had shit like this when I was a kid, I would have lost my mind. And so, um, I'm so, so jealous. Yeah. I'm, like, no, sitting it's, here stewing in jealousy. It's really <laughs> great. It's really great. I mean, I my only, you know, desire in life is to have more time, downtime, to just, like, do stuff like that with her. But um, yeah. but if you're if you're a if you're a father, even if like you just want to fucking play around with something, I think this is a great like. I feel like I want to just dick around with this thing because it's so interesting. Anyhow, I, I this is that's my nice thing. It's this Lego kit. I recommend it to all parents and non-parents alike. It has really uh like it has like reignited my excitement about about nerdy shit like robots and and building. And I think it's it's really cool. And she seems really into it as well. It's like fully like grasping her attention. And, you know, she's at that age I mean, she's six years old. So I think she's at the age where she's starting to really appreciate like deeper stuff than just like things that are entertaining or distracting. Um, she's reading now. And oh, we got we got my I actually got my little pony comics, which I was like, you know, they have comics of this. And she was like, oh, my God, what? And so now we're reading. <laughs> Anyhow. I guess like my nice thing is fatherhood. No, um, but it is like the rob oh, we'll say the robot. All right, we should wrap up. Right. I got a pizza waiting for me that I have to eat. I'm gonna die if I don't get my mouth on it. Um but uh, you know, I guess we're gonna oh we're we're gonna start doing this on a weekly basis. We've been a little bit sporadic over the last few weeks, months as we've been in quarantine, but I wanna start getting this back on to a weekly program and we're going to do that. I'm committing to it to Tony, our number one fan and our only fan, really. Um, and and another thing that I'd like to do and Ryan we haven't talked about this but I'd like to have some guests on which we haven't done in a while Um, and uh, I think there's no better time than when everybody's in quarantine to to bring yeah uh, no
1: it's so great to schedule guests because that you know that they're trapped in their homes and they have no excuse
0: right everybody is stuck and now they have to come on the show so it's great anyhow all right I'm gonna go and eat a pizza and I'll talk to you later bye Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. And uh, I've just been told that your family is actually experiencing the very best by staying indoors, wearing a mask and preparing for uh, direct, uh, direct protests and action to take on the government of America and the injustice we're all experiencing. So it should go just fine.